came in today. Did everyone get one of the little happy, happy face balls? Anybody missing one? Who didn't get one of these? You ready? How about up here? Yeah. How about up there in the balcony? <laughs> Who else? Oh, all right. Those are just reminders as of last week and again this week that God loves a cheerful giver. And giving is a heart thing. Uh, it's not something we do because we're made to. It's something we do because we love the Lord and we want to obey and give back. He's been so generous and gracious with us. And so we encourage you to do that. And that little ball is just a reminder of that. Life lessons. Any of you got any life lessons? I bet you do, and I bet we could stay here for a while to hear all those lessons. But I know this about life lessons. Many of the life lessons that I've received in life have come through somebody else who has been on the field trip and trying to help me not to have to take the trip to learn the lesson. For instance, the well-known theologian of the 70s, Jim Croce. He gave us some life lessons. He did it to music, and here's what he said. You don't tug on... You guys know the lesson, don't you? You don't spit into the wind. You're right. You don't pull the mask off the... And you don't mess around with... That's right. Doot and doot do doot right? Let's talk about that. You don't spit in the wind, Okay. Choir, how many of you have had to learn that lesson the hard way? <laughs> I learned that lesson the hard way because there was a guy in front of me that spit. <laughs> yeah, that's not the way to learn the lesson. For most of us, it seems we don't really learn the life lessons until we experience them the, ourselves. We're up close and personal with the experience. In other words, we have to go on the field trip in order to understand the life lesson. For instance, I, was, I learned a life lesson. It was an epic fail. We're going to talk about hope and failure today as we look at the life of Simon Peter. But when I was 16 years of age, I had a 1966 Mustang that was hopped up, you know, had the mag, mag wheels and tires, and it was up in the back and down in the front, and it was loud. It was so loud. It sounded so good. Yeah. <laughs> and I can remember my, my best friend at the time was my wife's brother, David. And we went down to the local 7-Eleven and we were going to get a drink. And there's nothing quite like a Mountain Dew at 7-Eleven. It's the best off the fountain that there is. And we got that and we got back in the car and we got up where we were about to enter back into the intersection. And David said this. Get it. Now, you, don't, you know what that means, right? You put the gas pedal to the floor, and you let those tires peel, and you make as much noise as long as you can till it stops. So what did I do? I got it. Yeah. Get it, got it, good. We did it. And we're getting it into the intersection until I look over to the left in the parking lot at the Amboy Methodist Church is one of North Little Rock's finest police officers. <laughs> he was turned the opposite direction in the way we were getting it. And um, 
I paused for a moment, let off the gas. I looked at David, and his instructions to me once again was, get it, yeah. So we got it, and we took off, and we went down the road and uh, turned into a neighborhood, and it's dark, by the way, so we turn into a neighborhood, we pull up into a driveway of somebody, and we turn off the lights, and we think, we're okay. Police officer has finally turned around. He's coming. We, we can see him up on the roadway, but we're thinking there is no way he's going to find us. Yet he turns down the same street up to the back of my car. Epic fail. <laughs> because you know what? You can turn the lights off, but you've got to take your foot off the brake. <laughs> yeah, epic fail. Well, there's more to that story. I'll tell it another time, but how many of you have a story of an epic fail? Those moments when you go to uh, take that life lesson tour, that field trip, and you learn some things that you didn't know until you experienced it in your life. In Romans chapter 15, verse 4, Paul wrote about timeless truths and life lessons that we find in Scripture. And here's what he says, for everything that was written in the past, it was written to teach us. So in other words, what was written in Scripture in the past is written for us today to teach us. And then he talks about the training. He says, so that we will learn how to endure the hardships and the difficulties, even the failures that come in life, and to be encouraged to being lifted up by the Scriptures so that we might have, and here's the future focus, that we might have hope. Past, present, future. These things have been written, Scripture has been written, so that we today in the present can be uh, encouraged and that we can endure whatever comes in our life such that not only do we have hope in the moment, but we have hope as we look to the future. I suppose a major reason why I love God's Word so much is it's full of these life lessons, these timeless truths that never fail to remind me personally, Alan, you can make it with Christ. Don't quit. Stand firm. You can make it with Christ over and over and over again in Scripture. We see the reminders of that, that in Christ... We have life. We have life to the full. And that's really the story of Simon Peter. Here's some background on Simon Peter, some things we know. We know Simon Peter and his brother Andrew were among the first disciples to follow Christ. We know that in Matthew 4. We know Peter lived up close and personal with Jesus for more than three years. He was an eyewitness to, to Jesus Christ himself fulfilling the prophecy that we read in Isaiah 61. And then again in Luke 4 as Jesus reads it in the temple that he was proclaiming good news to the poor and he was giving freedom to the prisoners. He was helping recover the sight to the blind and setting the oppressed free. He was proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. We know Peter saw that up close and personal and he experienced that. Peter had the best possible example of what it looks like to live the Christ life but he, because he was with Christ experiencing his life in the midst of trials and tribulations and sufferings and difficulties and failures. But rarely does God on the pages of Scripture 
Rarely does God place God's people in front of us without showing us those moments of failure in their life. So as soon as you hear Simon Peter's name, you probably remember the story where he denied Christ. Not one time, not two times, but three times. Three strikes you're out, maybe what we would think. And then we know that it broke the heart of Peter, and Kristen shared that story today with our kids. Can you remember a failure in your life like that? Can you remember the moment, the time in your life when you failed that way? Betsy Ten Boom said, There is no pit so deep, but that God is not deeper still. He can be found in the depths of those pits. In other words, as dark and as deep and as tragic as your pit may be today, God is willing to go to, to the distance with you, even in your failure. That was true of Peter. In Luke 22, the word of God says this. Jesus has warned Peter that Satan wants to attack and demands that he be able to sift Peter like weed. And then Jesus speaks some of the most incredible words of encouragement. He tells Peter that I know what's coming. I know that you're going to fail. But here's the word of encouragement Jesus gives Peter. Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. In other words, that your faith will not be, be lacking in any way. You see, Jesus knows Peter is going to have that epic fail. But Jesus also doesn't stop with that reality. That's not where he leaves it alone. He continues by encouraging Peter. And here's what he says. And you, you, Peter, when you have turned again, in other words, when you've retraced your steps, when you have come back, it's the idea of repentance, turning around. Jesus says, then use that field trip to strengthen your brothers and sisters in Christ. Use that field trip you've been on where you experience the fullness of me and forgiveness and all that I will bring into that moment of failure. Use that to encourage your brothers and sisters. In other words, Jesus knew Peter would fall, but he prayed that Peter would not remain fallen. He knew he would fall, but he prayed he would not remain fallen. Jesus knew that Peter had to go on the field trip. He knew that. Jesus also knew that Peter would recover, and he knew what was ahead and what God had purposed for his life, that he would become a stronger leader, and that as a result of that leadership, we are recipients making the gospel known through the world. Something interesting, though, about verse 32, all the pronouns you see there are singular, meaning Jesus is talking directly to Peter. The disciples are there. They're in that area in which he's speaking, but Jesus is talking directly to Peter. Here you go. Peter, I prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And you, when you, Peter, have turned again, then strengthen others with the way that you have received encouragement. Do that. Something interesting is how God knew exactly what Peter knew or, or needed. Jesus knew exactly what Peter needed to hear in this moments. It reminds us that in all things, even our failures in life, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Those that follow Christ, 
that God is at work bringing about good and his best for our lives. Even in Peter's, Peter's greatest failure, Jesus loves Peter unconditionally with everlasting love. And we see that put into action if we look into Mark chapter 16. Here's kind of the scene. It's after the resurrection. Three women, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, they're standing at the empty tomb. And an angel tells him these words, you are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. He is not here. But go tell his disciples. And here's the beauty of the story. And Peter. Epic fail, remember? Make sure Peter knows. Ladies, make sure you tell Peter. Tell everyone, but make sure you tell Peter. Because he's the last one who thinks that Jesus is ever going to talk to him again, right? That is amazing grace. That is great mercy. In between Peter's denial and the empty tomb, Peter wrestles with the failure and the regret and the shame and the guilt and the grief and the embarrassment. And in, the, in between Peter, through those three ladies, hears the Lord remind him these words, Peter, you are mine. You belong to me. Your identity, Peter, is wrapped up in who I am. Don't listen to the noise of the world or current culture that would tell you you're canceled out. You are forgiven, Peter, and you are loved deeply. Now, go. Use this lesson and strengthen your brothers and sisters in the faith. Fast forward with me. 30 years. Peter's inspired by the Holy Spirit to write a letter we know as 1 Peter. It's a letter which contains words of encouragement to strengthen his brothers and sisters. Imagine that. And he is writing to those that are persecuted. He's writing to those that are scattered two seas away in northern what we would call today modern-day Turkey. 1 Peter 1, 3 states it this way, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy. This is Peter writing, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Does he know anything about great mercy? He knows a bunch about it, right? First and experience. He goes on to say this, has caused us to be born again, a living hope through the resurrection. Does he know anything about the living hope that comes at the resurrection, Jesus Christ. Absolutely, he knows. Peter's encouragement to suffering and hurting and persecuted Christians in northern Turkey and to you and me actually even today is, is that you and I have a living hope in the resurrected Jesus Christ, so don't quit. Stand firm. I can't speak for you, but Peter has some life lessons that encourage and strengthen my faith. When I consider how this rough Galilean fisherman went from failure to faithfulness through God's transforming grace, and he lets us in on that, and God lets us in on that through Holy Scripture, it reminds me that God can do the very same thing for you and me in our suffering, in our trials, in our failures, and in our hurts. So let me give you three life lessons 
from Simon Peter's example. Three life lessons. Number one, failure in your past does not cancel out God's purpose for your future. Failure in your past does not cancel out God's purpose for your future. Discovery Channel did a nature film about a family of mallard ducks, a mom and 12 ducklings. After swimming in the pool for a while, the mama comes to the side of the pool, jumps up onto the side of the pool, and and moves on and starts waddling away. And then the first duckling comes up and jumps up but doesn't quite make it, jumps up again, makes it, and then follows mom. The second duckling, the same thing, third, fourth, till we get to the 12th little duckling. And that 12th duckling tries to jump up, but keeps falling back, keeps failing. It's clear that this little duckling is about to experience a train wreck. He cannot get up and follow his brothers and sisters and his mom. So guess what the mother duck does? You want to think she comes back. Actually, she keeps on waddling away. Then an emotional narrator explains this. The mother was abandoned. That duckling, because it's probably too weak to survive. Sounds cruel, but that's just the way nature is. Have you ever felt that way? You ever felt that way when you stumble or sin, when you fail? God's going to keep walking and not turn back to help you? Thankfully, 2 Peter 3, 9, again, Peter encouraging, strengthening his brothers and sisters. He tells us that God's not that way. He says this, the Lord is not slow. In other words, he's not slack in keeping his promise. Instead, he is patient, long-suffering with you, not wanting anyone to perish, desiring that everyone would come to repentance, that would come to in a relationship with him. Personally, I thank God that he didn't abandon me in those times that I chose to rebel against him. I thank God that he is patient, that he is long-suffering with me and with you, and that he desires for us to return. He desires to restore our lives. So if you're ever tempted to think God's written you off, think of Peter. After three strikes, Peter himself counted himself out, but Christ deliberately restores him, lifting him to a place of leadership among fellow believers and using him in a great way in the early church. Peter received God's complete forgiveness, and I believe he learned in the process how to forgive himself. Failure in your past does not cancel out God's purpose for your future. Lesson number two. God never wastes our failures, our hurts, our suffering. God never wastes those things. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1, 4, God comforts us in our affliction so that in order that we will be able to comfort those with any affliction with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. What we have been given, we give away. We come into the lives of others and we offer the same comfort and the same grace that we have received from God. We become channels of that grace and that comfort. Who better than Peter to lead ministry or a ministry of reconciliation? Who better than Peter to do that? Who better than Peter to proclaim that God is a God of unconditional love and forgiveness through Jesus Christ? Who better? And the one that's been on the field trip, the one that's learned the life lesson, 
Peter knew those things firsthand. God never wastes a hurt, a crisis, a trial, a failure in our lives. And lesson number three is this. One word, one word of living hope. It brings more encouragement than a thousand good intentions. One word of living hope, one written note of living hope will bring more encouragement than a thousand good intentions. First Peter 5, 12, again, Peter writing to encourage his brothers and sisters. He says this, I have written briefly to you, exhorting or encouraging and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Here's his encouragement. So stand firm in it. What a word of encouragement to those suffering. From a distant Rome, Peter was impressed by the Holy Spirit to write a letter to suffering believers. He could have hoped someone else might step in the gap and respond, but instead he was obedient to the Holy Spirit to write this God-breathed letter to strengthen his brothers and sisters. Tell the disciples and Peter. Today, there are people all around you that need to be encouraged, to be strengthened. They may be suffering from the devastation of divorce, and they need someone in God's family, you maybe, who's been there, done that, has a T-shirt to show it, and you've journeyed those feelings of depression and rejection and shame and anger and bitterness and loneliness. You've seen how God is faithful, though, in those things, and they need you to come walk alongside of them to speak a word of living hope into their lives. Some people have experienced the loss of a loved one, and they, they need someone to come and walk with them in the grief and through the grief, to be present in those moments with them. Others are wrestling with a failure, and they need someone to come alongside of them, not to fix it, but say, I know what it's like. Here's my story. Let me walk with you in this journey as we walk toward Christ together. Today, maybe someone comes to your mind as we've been walking through this journey together that needs a note of hope. They're struggling. They need encouragement. So here's your due. Whoever that is God has prompted you with, respond. Write physically that note. Do y'all remember how to write notes? Not an email, not a text, but a written note that has in it a word of hope that would speak into their lives. Bring comfort and hope, the hope of Christ, into someone's dark, discouraged, hurting world. Bringing one word of hope brings encouragement, and that's better than a thousand good intentions. So let's do that today. We're going to be singing. What's our hymn today? 602. 602.